All right, so in light of preparing you for Pastor Chad Jordan uh, next Sunday, he's one of my favorite preachers, and so he's going to report to me on who skips out, but he's a phenomenal preacher, but he's always challenging me, if you don't give him a one-liner that hopefully rhymes, your people will not remember what you talked about. So here we go, somebody, here we go. God can't heal, say it with me, God can't heal what you conceal. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on, yeah, get up. <laughs> come on, I feel the glory. God can't heal what you conceal. So last week, I, I, I shared a passage of scripture, and I'll just share it with you and quote it. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life, Jesus. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, Jesus, and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. Why? So that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. So last week, check out the podcast, go online, and we, we looked at some of those dynamics, and I sent out some emails to the church on how to grow in that fellowship. That word koinonia in the Greek is to participate in. And when you think about what Christianity, what sets it apart from every other world religion or ideology or philosophy, no other religion would claim to invite humanity to participate in the life of God himself. No other religion would claim that through God, the God we worship, becoming like us would make a living, breathing, tangible relationship possible with him. No other religion can, can claim that. And so I'm excited about being a Christ follower today. I don't know about you. But so, so John, here's this old disciple that Jesus loves and contrary to maybe popular belief or opinion he did not grow old and crusty he grew old and fiery come on who wants to grow old and fiery for the love of God and I always love boasting in my grandpa Jim my grandpa Jim was a world famous evangelist and I mean that a world famous he is very very famous it was up for a Grammy for singing and and Everyone, when I, I traveled for about two years around 20 states and preached and did things around the country, but everyone knew my grandpa. And it was like one of those humbling experiences where you're like the anointed, like you're trying to be the anointed guy and all they want to do is talk to you about your grandpa. <laughs> Which is a good thing. But let me tell you about my 86-year-old, 87-year-old grandpa. He is more on fire for God than he ever was in his entire world-reaching ministry. <laughs> My grandpa gives me hope for every generation that you don't have to grow old and crusty and bitter or anything because of life's adversities and difficulties or tragedies, but there actually is an inheritance for every generation to grow more in love with Jesus the closer we get to seeing Jesus. That's beside the point. So John, this old disciple, is just gushing with life as he talks about his participating in God's life himself through Jesus and the power of the Spirit. So go check that out. So the obvious question as John continues, we're just gonna go through chapter one today. 
What are hindrances to those relationships? And I'll give you a hint. God can't heal what you conceal. What are hindrances that you and I face in our relationships with God, our relationships with others, and our relationship even with ourselves? What are those barriers or obstacles that stand in the way of us having the relationship John, I just quoted, had with God that's made available to all of us through Jesus? What is it? The scripture goes on, it says this in 1 John 1, if, you're, if you have a Bible, verse five. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. So John just got done writing about Jesus and seeing him and experiencing the life that is in him, and he continues his letter to this network of house churches that's meant to be passed and read, a circular letter in the first century. He said, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. Whoa. That's pretty cool. <laughs> In him, there's no darkness at all. And he goes on to say this. If we claim to have fellowship or to participate in the life of God with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live by the truth. Come on, somebody. I'm starting to preach this morning. But if we walk, someone say, but if. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so John, he unpacks this dynamic relationship that God's made available to us in Christ. And he says it in these terms. God is radiant, beautiful, splendorous, majestic, holy, truth-filled light. It's his nature. Light is not something God occasionally dabbles in. It is who he is on the inside. He is immaculately radiant from every angle. He is like the sun, infinitely more bright than we could ever ask or dream or imagine. And that God of all glorious light has enfolded and he's come into the form of a human so that Jesus during this ministry could say, I am the light of the world, the light of God stuffed in a human being. In him... He is the light. That life and that light has appeared through Jesus. He's the light of the world. And John goes on and he's saying, guys, contrary to popular belief, I see through what you're hiding in the darkness when you claim to know me in word, but your heart is far from me. How many know God sees through that garbage game that many of us can play and his piercing eyes see through it in love? If so, if we claim to participate in the life of God, but our lives are not being transformed to increasingly look like the one we're in relationship with, it's time to hit pause and to question, am I in relationship with him or not? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, that's a fair question. But listen, this doesn't mean that, you know, the, the passage goes on, this amazing passage that if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie. What, is, what do you think of when you think of darkness? Come on, help me out with some adjectives. Shadow, what else? Sin, fear, cold, lie, or non-truth. And so, alone, scary, death. And so what John is getting at, he's giving us a contrasting picture. 
that the God revealed in Jesus is radiantly pure from every angle. Any angle you spin Jesus, light hits you in a different way. But he's saying, but outside of Jesus, John 1, 4, and 5, the one who is light, and that light becomes the life for all of humanity and all of creation. Outside of him, when you turn away from him, you are not left with dimness, you're left with darkness. In other words, there is no light outside of God. So any path that promises, any philosophy that promises enlightenment or coming in touch with your true self that does not mention quickly in the conversation the one who is light himself, run the opposite direction into the light of God's presence revealed in Jesus. When he says, if you claim to have fellowship with him but walk in the darkness, many of us already feel disqualified, if if we're honest. Because how many ever live a perfect life living in the light? I mean, maybe you could raise your hand. I can't. And so this, 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 this issue, this, this metaphor or this kinetic movement of walking, it means that walking in the darkness is the manner of your life, the overarching spirit of your life. How many know that's different than stumbling maybe on occasion? Come on, nod your head at me so you don't all leave you know, sad and condemned. What John is getting at, and he's really combating this false theology that's happening amongst the churches in the first century, that it didn't really matter how you live because the body's just evil anyway, and all that matters to God is your spirit, which is a bunch of hogwash. And so what would happen was there'd be people who would conceal who they really are on the inside, claim to follow God on the outside, and John, this old, wise, sage disciple, preaches the gospel into that context and says, no, 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 no. If your life does not increasingly bear witness and match the confession of your life, something got off the track somewhere along the way. And so he goes on, and this is the great hope in verse 8. He says, if anyone claims to be without sin, he deceives himself or she deceives himself and the truth is not in him. If anyone claims to in and of themselves possess the source of light for all of humanity and all of creation who is self-sufficient, I'm good, I've got enough education, I've got enough money. Anyone who has this lifestyle revolving around themselves, which is another word for sin, outside of God, listen, every one of us has been guilty of that dynamic in life. If you agree, say amen. Choosing autonomy, choosing our own wisdom, our own ways above and over and against God's will and God's ways. And so if you claim that you haven't or that it's not a part of your reality, John says you're a liar. I, guess, I just wish John would just water it down a little bit. But here's the great hope. God's light. Listen, religion exposes you so that you will feel shame. God exposes you so that he can heal you. How many know that sin is not just an action or deed we commit. It is a sickness that has infused and infested all of creation itself. Where creation itself is disjointed with the weather patterns. Where humanity himself is, we're, at, we're disjointed. There's genocide and hatred and racism and murder. and The whole world has been fractured and fragmented by choosing to name that which is good and evil outside of what God deems as good and evil. And in the midst of all of this darkness, this fragmentation, even in a world that doesn't believe in sin, even in a world that doesn't believe that they are responsible 
to answer to a higher authority. Even if you can't reach a world talking about the guilt of their sin, every human on the planet can be reached through the, the doorway of shame. Guilt is feeling bad for what you do. And we look at the culture and we say, why doesn't anyone feel bad? We just don't even care. We've thrown off restraints. Our minds have been given over to a reprobate pattern of life which revolves around us and sin and darkness. And even though a world may not hear the message of being guilty for sin, everyone knows when the lights go out what it is to feel shame. Even if the world is not, even if you today, you're like, I don't buy all this Christianity garbage and I don't really feel bad, I like living my life. But there's that thing in every human heart that doesn't, if you don't ache for what you've done, everyone aches and longs to find a solution to who they are and what they've become. You may not be able to reach a culture through the door of guilt, but you start talking about shame. Everyone's jaw drops. There's an opening, there's a crack for the gospel in that place. And he's saying, if we confess our sins, let's get over this lie that I'm better than you or you're better than me. Let's get out of this lie that I don't submit to any authority, but when we confess our sins, when we confess that we have chosen to name our own truth instead of submitting to God's, here's the promise in verse eight and nine. He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so this idea of sin being a sickness, shame. As I've been preparing this message and just reflecting, I wonder how many of us are tired of living in the shadow land of shame? How many of us, if, if, if that person to my right or my left knew what I think, if they knew how I felt, if they knew that I was freaked out when I was around people in case they might actually get a window into who I really am, and I want you to know that God can't heal what you conceal. You can claim, you can wear a facade, you can be one way at work or at church or at home, but the glory of the gospel is that the light of God is actually penetrating your darkness, not to shame you, but to heal you and bring you into life. And what if as a culture, instead of just week after week, we just come and we hear Bible teaching and worship and prayer and communion and what if there was just this call that the Spirit sent out over Cornerstone Church that we could begin to experience an unprecedented level of healing because no more shadows were coming out of shame into his light? And the remedy for your shame is not to go deeper into the shame, but to get your eyes off of yourself and into the one whose, whose face beams with healing light, whose face beams with healing love, who looks at you in your shame and has never once for all eternity diminished in his love and desire to be in relationship with you. Not for a second has he said, they are a screw up, a throwaway. I'm done with them. His light is not afraid of your darkness or your bondage. His light is healing light. God can't heal what you and I Conceal. We can claim to be in the light, but if we walk in the darkness and it characterizes the overall spirit of our life, we are fooling ourselves. We may fool those around us, but we're not fooling the one who has fire in his eyes to see us as we really are. So come into the light. Come out of the shadow land of shame today. 
You don't have to be ashamed. The gospel is the declaration of God that you are chosen, treasured, beloved, and accepted, not because of anything you've done, but because of what I have done on your behalf. And it's interesting that Jesus in Mark chapter 11, when he's going to the cross and he passes by the fig tree, anyone remember the first account of a fig tree? Genesis chapter three, after they sin and darkness infuses their eyes and their minds, their hearts, their relationship, shame, blame, guilt, hiding, and then the the propensity to want to cover our nakedness. How many know we've just been become more sophisticated in our choice of fig leaves to cover who we really are? And Jesus, when he's going to the cross, he looks at the fig tree and he says, cursed be you. I am going to hang bloody. It says in Psalm 22, his bones were on display. They ripped his garments. I am going to hang once and for all, bare and exposed before all of humanity, all of creation, and my Father himself, so that no one from this point on has to stay hidden behind any garment, any clothes, any game, any act of righteousness. I am my light, my radiant, pure. This is what it means that he's an atoning sacrifice. It goes on. I'll get there. But he hangs, he hangs fully exposed before the world so that the world that is stuck hiding in the shadow land of shame can come out once and for all and experience his healing love and his healing light. It's at that moment that God, unre- uh, the, the scriptural word is, he reveals the fullness of his love He is fully unconcealed when his son hangs suffering on our behalf. And he's saying, no more fig leaves. The tree he cursed on his way to that cross is still cursed. There's only one sufficient covering for your shame, and his name is Jesus. And he's not afraid of your guilt. He's not afraid of your sin. He wants to infuse your heart, mind, life, relationships with his very life himself. Jesus has been stripped and exposed so that the fear of it from this day forward doesn't have to grip your life any longer. What if we were in a culture where it wasn't about, oh, I'm, what if there was space for people to expose themselves before a loving God and a loving church community that says, we're in this thing together. I will agree with you to declare war on that thing that seems to be controlling your life. I will agree with you for that lust that seems to possess your mindset. I will agree with you with that greed that seems uncontrollable. You just want more and more. I will agree with you in seeing God deliver you from that heart of bitterness and offense. I will walk alongside you. Because how many know our darkness, the lie of the enemy is your darkness just affects you? No, 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 no. What did the passage say? If you're in the darkness, it actually breaks at three levels. It breaks your fellowship with God. It breaks your fellowship with your brother, sister, wife, friend, and it breaks your fellowship with yourself, knowing who you are in God. How many know the effects of sin are great, but the effect of grace is greater? Where sin has been like a sickness and thorns that have infested creation itself, the light and the penetrating love of God, he breaks into that which will give him a crack. We'll just... This journey of coming out of darkness is as simple as, Lord, I, even the word I, I keep, look, even the word Lord, he's like, I'll work with it. Let my healing presence come and light up your darkness. 
Let me take your sin. I am still the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I will do it for you and the person next to you, and I've done it for all of humanity. If you'll come out of darkness. God can't heal what you and I conceal. But if we confess, come on, someone say, if we confess, all he needs is a crack. And I mean a, listen, it was the most beautiful drive into work, into, into worship this morning. I was coming around Los Barros and you know, that, that beautiful morning, thick fog, and I looked up in this tree and this, it kind of concealed the sun, but the sun rays were pure. I almost could have caused an accident because I wanted to hit, st- I wanted to stop and think, Lord, you gave me a metaphor for my message. He gave me a picture of what it's like. You may be under a fog right now. You may not know what your next step is, but I want you to know there is light that is shining even in your shame today. And if you look up through the tree of Calvary, you'll see one who's hung exposed so that you wouldn't have to fear being exposed or shamed or put out to pasture. He is not only the sin sacrifice, he is the scapegoat who has taken the brunt for your sin and for the darkness of which you and I have all participated. He's taken it out of the camp so that in the camp there's only healing, forgiveness, and freedom and reconciliation. This is just the gospel. This is the message that John, this old beloved disciple, is declaring to a network of church plants. He's saying, guys, quit playing games. He can't heal what you conceal. Come into the light. Don't pay attention to those who claim to live and be this, but you look at the fruit of their life and you're like, dude, no way. But become a community that becomes brutally honest about sin and equally, if not infinitely more, eager to receive grace to be transformed as we come into the light. And he goes on to say, if you claim you haven't sinned, not even once, you're a liar, and there's just no space in your life for God. Thanks, John, that's really easy. And, yeah. and he goes on, and I'm gonna close with these two verses. It goes on in chapter two, I keep quoting, and it says, um, you know, because some of us are like, well, if we're serious about sin, but yet, we don't have to be ashamed, then what if someone just wants to claim to keep repenting and saying sorry? And, and I, I, God gave me revelation. I, I say that humbly on this last night as I was reflecting and praying. And, and it's this, it goes on to say, my dear children, I write to you so that you will not sin. How many know that God has actually provided grace doesn't just cover sin, it empowers righteous living? Let me say that again. Grace doesn't just cover sin, and wash you of sin, it actually empowers you to live out the purity and the cleanliness that God has given you in Christ. It's just the gospel, one-on-one, but it's just, it's easily overlooked. He goes on, I'm writing to you so that you will not sin. Like, you don't have to keep living a life bound to darkness. How many know the power of Jesus is greater than any addiction, any sin, any bondage, any thing that is binding your life right now from experiencing the fullness of God? Christ is greater than your sin. I write this to you so that you will not sin, but he, this great promise, but. Someone say, but. but. Come on, someone say, but. but. But if anybody does sin, okay, that, that's room for all of us. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and also for the sins of the whole world. 
And so John has painted this dynamic picture. God is radiant light. He is totally pure. He's totally glorious and splendorous. And that light doesn't just keep him aside. That light has penetrated the very darkness. Even in a world, the verdict over the world, John 3, 19, is that men loved darkness instead of light because of fear that their deeds would be exposed. Right? That's why we don't come into the light, because we're afraid. Can someone say amen? If they really knew me, if I really got honest with a brother or a sister about my secret sin, if they wouldn't like me or they would look down on me. But the, the reality is the moment you, you start loving light more than darkness is the moment you'll start experiencing his healing power and presence. He can't heal what you conceal. And John is saying that God is light, and he's inviting you through Jesus into that light, that fellowship. But there are dynamic realities in that light that you cannot live the same way when you claim to follow him than when you did when you didn't follow him. So his light transforms you, and his grace empowers you to live an entirely different new existence in his presence and power. And he goes on to say that, man, it's not like this, it's not like a contest of who sins less or more. Here's what my rule for all the churches is. Just be brutally honest about sin. Don't hide it or conceal it. Anytime you choose against God or you do what you don't do or you don't do what you know you should do, that's a good definition for sin. Read John, James chapter 4. You come right into the light. Quit concealing it and hiding it. Say, God, I, I repent. I come. I confess. I need your healing light. I need your healing love. And God promises that in Christ, the Greek is actually in the heiress, it's present continuous. As you stay in the light and you live that posture of humble confession, repentance, the light and the cleansing of Jesus is like just a big, huge cosmic side washing machine. <sighs> Come on, you won't forget that part. It just keeps scrubbing you. Come on, who needs to keep being scrubbed? Am I the only one today? The moment you go outside of the source of light that beams from the face of Jesus and you start doing it in your own strength, you come out of the cleansing flow and you're stuck with what you can do in your own power. But if you live that repentant, confessing lifestyle where you don't have to keep going on and sinning, but if you do, you don't play games, you're serious about sin, but you're even more serious about the one who is the atonement for your sin. You come into the presence of the Father, not with your head cowered down and I'm a failure again. There is a man at the right hand of God who is your intercessor. And he stands and he says, Father, you, you understand, I was a human. I experienced every weakness, every temptation. I was the only one who didn't disobey. But Father, look to me when you want to pour out wrath or punishment. You've already done that. I've received it. I've carried it. I was the lamb. I've taken away sin. Father, they're weak, but in me they're strong. And so let's pour out more grace and mercy on them. We have an advocate with the Father. Who, was allow, who allowed himself to be exposed so that whatever you're tempted to conceal, now through his mercy and grace, he can heal you. And he can keep healing you. Come on, someone, how many know it's a journey? Someone say it's a journey. But God can't, listen today, he can't heal what you're concealing. He can't heal what you're holding off and what you're, and he, he, he sees right through that game and he just says, son or daughter, come into my light. Come into my light. Come out of darkness. I have a life for you through my son and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that will blow your mind. But I can't heal what you're concealing. You gotta come into my light to experience my grace. Here's what I'm, you know, I'm saying, I'm saying this. 
that only in Christ is our tendency and propensity to cover ourselves, to blame others for our mistakes, to play the card of the victim. Only in Christ is the core of who we are transformed by a loving touch from a father who calls us child. Confess your sin, don't conceal it. He sees it anyway. No matter how dark you feel, the light of Jesus is greater than your darkness. Come into the light. No more hiding, no more sickness, no more suffering and silence in your shame. I'm gonna close with a story. This the, I don't know, I'm not allowed to say it's my favorite story because I always say that like every month. But there's a woman that, that really articulates what I'm speaking on. It's found in Luke chapter seven, my, my amazing story. And the story goes like this, starting with verse 36 through about verse 50. You can look it up later. I'll just tell it to you as a story like, like it was. There's this woman who obviously we don't know what she did, but everyone knew she was a sinner, so most think she was a prostitute. Which you might argue might be the lowest vocation one can choose when your body is no longer sacred, but for the sake of your next meal, or for the sake of just whatever, what's left is this. So she, she's experiencing the most, the deepest fragmented dynamic of a life apart from God. A stigma, someone to be avoided. She experienced that, that, that dissonance between herself and her community, her neighbors, and every man that would use her as a toy. And she finds out about this guy named Jesus. finds out that he's at a party with a bunch of the upper echelon of society, the rich, the, the righteous, the well-off, those that obey all 613 laws and the extra 1,500 that they invented. And she hears of this man who has healing in his touch. She articulates 1 John perfect. She doesn't conceal who she is because everyone already knows who she is. She breaks into this party, and instead of, you know, nudging Jesus and saying, hey, can I talk to you after the meal? <laughs> she comes in her brokenness. She comes in her vulnerability. She comes in her transparency. She comes in her dark sin, and she plops right at the feet of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how they let her in. I know how the first century houses were. They were these colonnades, and they were open so that those who had money, the people outside could see how amazing they were. We're not all that different today. And so she sees, she goes into this courtyard, and she breaks up the dinner party. All of the righteous religious people are totally offended. <laughs> Come on, somebody. It's okay if you are one. I am one. We are. We're being healed from that mentality. Not, if any of us got what we deserve, we would all be toast. Amen. All of us, no matter what our record. And she comes and she just, she plops at the feet of Jesus. You know, most of them ate on their side. You can just read commentaries. They would, they would, they would recline at meals. This is how their meal looked. You can just read your favorite study book. And so here's this woman behind the feet of Jesus just weeping at his feet. How many know weeping might be one of the most powerful forms of prayer when it's all you got? Oh, yeah. When it's all you got. 
And she's weeping and sobbing and then kissing his feet and his, her hair's a mess and she's, there's a snotty, wet mess at the feet of Jesus. I'm reading into the story, so you can, you know, it's not in the Greek, so get over it. <laughs> and the, 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 the house guest, his name is Simon, bless his heart, he's just full of judgment. If this was a prophet, he would know who's touching him. If he was a prophet, there's no way he would allow this shenanigans to go on. And then Jesus prophetically knows what he's thinking. And he gives him a prophetic word and he says, and he, and he stumps Simon. He goes, Simon, I got a question to ask you. What? Suppose someone owed their master 500 denarii and someone owed them 50 denarii, which is a lot of money and a little money. And suppose the master forgave the debts of both of them. Which one do you think will love him more? And for the first time for the entire dinner meal, Simon has an accurate judgment. <laughs> he says, I suppose the one who was forgiven more. And Jesus, in a spirit-filled pun and turn of events, says, Simon, you've judged correctly. It's the first thing you've judged correctly since I've been in your house. You thought this woman was reprehensible. You thought this woman was unclean. You thought this woman didn't deserve to be at my feet. You thought this, per per this woman, you thought I came to dinner here for you, but in my sovereignty I knew. I knew the house. I knew the street. I knew. <laughs> Simon, you finally judged correctly. And here's a woman who for all intents and purposes didn't even have any strength left to conceal her sin because everyone at the party knew she was a sinner. And instead of allowing shame to be louder than the grace and love that was flowing from Jesus, he said, enough, I'm done hiding. And Jesus turns to her and he says, your faith has saved you. I didn't hear her do a sinner's prayer. I mean, I, whatever, I don't, how many know when you put God in a box, it just, he just ends up breaking him or you just end up missing him altogether. Her tears and her weeping and her audacious exposing of herself, her vulnerability and transparency moved the heart of Jesus more than anything else that night at the dinner party. And he says, your sins are forgiven. And then he gives her this pronouncement that is staggering. Go in peace. God can't heal what you conceal. And I was, I was reflecting on that story in the spirit last night, praying and reflecting. The Lord said, the, the woman and the story is in the gospels for a reason. She gives all of humanity to permission to just get to the feet of Jesus, no matter who you are, what you're carrying. The story in the Gospel of Luke 7 gives and issues an invitation to all who are sick and tired of their sin and who know that they cannot, they've tried their whole life to clean up their act. She's given permission to all of us to run to the feet of Jesus and to receive forgiveness and cleansing and peace. Once and for all. Now that's offensive. It's offensive. 
If you claim to be without sin, it's offensive. Come on, somebody. That's what John just got done saying. If you claim that you don't need grace today, it's offensive. If you claim I've been here longer than them, it's offensive. If you claim, man, I did better, I've read my Bible 35 minutes today and I prayed, it's offensive. But if you stay in this, under the spout of his grace, constantly aware of your need, it's an aroma of praise that draws you back to that place of first love when you yourself plopped before the feet of Jesus. <laughs> Where he took your shame when you exposed, when you gave him a crack, he filled it with his grace, with his light, with his healing, and with his love. And I don't know how you need to respond today. I just know. I just know that the shadow land of shame is a crummy place to call home. And I know that you give God a crack, his healing light will infuse your life. His forgiveness and grace. Jesus has become the once and for all atoning sacrifice. What does that mean? It means that he's not only become the means to cover and cleanse you of sin, he's also the means through which you can experience the relationship with God, with your neighbor, and being at home with yourself that in and through him, you can experience those three dynamics through his grace and through his love. I'm gonna invite Leah to come and just to play on the keys and sing over us. But if you would, could you just stand with me this, this morning as we close? Stand with me. And just close your eyes and hear that scripture again. Listen to the scripture. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him but walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sin of the whole world. If you wanna just come forward as Leah plays and sings, and you just wanna say, you know what? I don't care what they think around me. I wanna be like the woman in Luke 7. I'm coming out. It doesn't even mean you're high. It doesn't mean you have some secret sin. It can be that. But if you want to say, if you want to come in intercession and say, Lord, I want to see you break the power of shame in our church and in this city, would you come and stand with me this morning? You say, we want to become a people who do not conceal our stuff any longer, but we expose who we are before the Lord so that his grace and his mercy can come rushing in with the healing light and healing love this morning. Let's just come. Just do business with God.
Maybe you need to tap someone on the shoulder and say, I want you to pray with me. I want to confess my sin. I want to confess my shame. Come into the light, beloved, this morning. He's got healing. He's got cleansing. He's got forgiveness.
scriptures say, to confess your sins to each other. It's something in the West and our privatized individualism that offends us. But it says in James 5 that there's actually a grace release when you confess what you're dealing with. Not, don't, you don't have to come up on a microphone. But if you don't have someone in your life today that you can confess to, come up. You don't have to even confess to me or anyone on the prayer team, but we'll connect you with someone that you can journey with. All in favor, say amen. Life is way too hard to do it alone. It is way too difficult. But it says, confess your sins to each other and you will be forgiven. Come on, someone say amen to that promise. If you are sick, the Lord will raise you up. Someone say amen. How many know that our sin doesn't just affect our spiritual, it affects the whole part of who we are? Relationships, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And can we just lift our hands and say, Lord, we ask that all of the effects of sin would be healed through the grace of Jesus today. May all of the manifestations of sin be overcome through the grace and healing of Jesus today. Would all of that which we conceal be cracked open before the love and grace and mercy of Jesus today. And may we all learn today to begin to walk one tiny step at a time, exploring the light of Jesus together. God, I thank you for breaking the power of shame in the house. Thank you, Lord, that there's a journey for every person in this place to walk in the newfound freedom of the gospel of Jesus. Lord, let your light break the power of darkness. We thank you for a no judgment zone. We thank you if we, we lay down our self-righteousness so that we can be clothed in the righteousness of Christ who hangs on our behalf and he says, Father, forgive them. Lord, we want to be a church like Jesus that is rich and overflowing with forgiveness with mercy and with grace. Lord, we thank you that grace isn't something you do or give, it's something you are. Lord, we want a taste of your grace today that transforms us from the inside out. We treasure you, Lord. Thank you that you've emptied heaven. You became poor so that we could experience the riches of your mercy like we've done today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen and amen. Can we just shout amen together? Amen. Hallelujah.